I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. Let's go. Hi everyone, it's Arlen. This is your first million. Welcome back. This is the first, your first million official interview that I've done in a while, post-coronavirus madness. And it felt really good. It felt good to be back in the saddle and do the podcast in the way that it was meant to be done. It's a little bit of a distraction, although we do talk about it, so we don't try to ignore it. But yeah, it's just really cool to have this conversation. And this conversation is with Chloe Lanier, who is an actress, a daytime Emmy winning actress from my favorite television show, General Hospital. She plays a character named Nell Benson, who is, if you've ever watched the show in the last two, three years, you know Nell is a fun, fun character, really devious character, but man, she plays the hell out of her and has a lot of fun doing it, I think. This interview is just really cool. We got to talk about how she got started. We're from the same part of Texas, which is cool. How she got started, how she really had... uh, just humble beginnings and and did things that other people can do to to learn their craft. And it's really fun to get to know all of that about her. She's also a major, major Lady Gaga fan and admirer. And so if you have that in common with her, you're going to want to hear about this because she has a really cool story that she tells that is probably relatable to a lot of people. I know it was to me. So there's that. I really want to get you all into the interview as fast as possible, so I won't do too much more. But I just want to say, hope you're taking care of yourselves. Hope you're staying uh, as far away from from others as you can in the social distance era. And maybe by the time you listen to this, it'll be months later and you don't have to anymore. And I I, uh, wish you well there. Uh, I wish us all well. This is tough. This is a really tough thing. And that's like an understatement of of the century. Uh, Shout out to anybody who has recently lost their jobs or had their wages lowered or lost any income as hitting almost everyone that I know, including including home. So really want to say that I'm here for you. I'm here with you. We're going through this together. There are a lot of people listening to this podcast right now along with you, alongside you, and we're all going to get through this somehow, some way together. So distract yourself a little bit. Straighten up around the house or do a little exercise. I like to get jump on the Peloton these days. Don't get paid to say that, but I like to jump on the Peloton these days, listen to a podcast, and just kind of go to my own little little world for just a few minutes. So hope you enjoy, and I will talk to you very, very soon. I'm Chloe Lanier, and I'm an actor. Hi, Chloe. 
How's it going? Um, it's going. It's going. Yeah. It's this is madness. What day is this? Yeah. I don't. I don't even know. I've completely lost track of days and weeks at this point. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you doing this in particular, not just because it's uh, the Rona uh, uh, out there, but just because you are one of the stars of my favorite television program on earth. And so it's just a thrill. And it actually makes me feel a little bit more normal because I'm actually doing like an interview with someone for your first million rather than reporting on the Rona, which is... Right, right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I did want to know, um, I saw on Instagram that and you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to, but it seemed like you were having a little trouble a couple of days ago or. Yeah, I was a uh, suspected case oh. um, about a week and a half ago. Um, basically, I got home from set Friday. The I don't even know what day it was, but the next day I started getting a cough. And I didn't really think anything of it because it just seemed like, a, a like you know, maybe I like drank water the wrong way or something yeah. irritated my throat. I didn't know. But then like a couple days in, I started having like terrible, terrible headaches and I've had migraines my whole life. And this was way worse than any migraine I had ever had. Wow. I could, I was having trouble breathing to the point where I, I, I really, I was like hyperventilating. I called my doctor. I did a telehealth session with my doctor. And he said, because I didn't have every single symptom laid out by the CDC that they would not test me. Um, but he said, you should immediately go to Cedars. And I did. And um, they, again, told me they could not test me because there just weren't any tests. Yes. Um, and basically, unless you were on your deathbed, they were not admitting anyone, not that I needed to be admitted or anything, but, um, they prescribed me an inhaler, which really, really helped. Cause I wouldn't have been able to, to breathe without it. I don't think, but I just, as of like a couple of days ago, I feel like I'm back to normal and so I can you never got tested, never got tested. So it's possible mm -hmm. that you had it or have it. It's just a mild, mild quote unquote. Yes. Uh, which would mean that if you did, you would, I mean, I'm a doctor, I'm just saying it would mean that you would be immune to it later, which could be the bright side of things. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, you know, I mean, it's, and I was quarantined upstairs in my room, but it, I mean, my boyfriend ended up getting it. Um, one of my other roommates ended up getting it. Um, oh, wow. So you really but, feel like it was that? Yeah, I, I kind of have no doubt in my mind yeah. that it was the COVID. Yeah. Uh, but again, my, my, my symptoms were incredibly mild compared to other cases that I've seen mm -hmm. online. So I feel lucky in that regard because as horrible as I felt, it was, it's not nearly as bad as other people. Yeah. And I mean, I've been listening to a ton of interviews. It's the thing that keeps me kind of grounded, even though it's a little morbid, you know, to listen to all this stuff, like hours and hours a day. And I, I hear a lot of people who are saying, you know, well, mine isn't as severe and this other person is, but it's, it takes an emotional toll on you, no matter what, because of the uncertainty of what, what, what would be next. Like you didn't know it was going to get better. And, and the breathing was the scariest part of it all yeah. because that, that had never happened to me other than like, a pan, I've had panic attacks before. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the point where you're like, oh, okay. Um, so this is what, what it feels like. like. So when you're hearing like, 
Yeah. So some, some places aren't really feeling it, but it's like, you know, like New York is feeling it and oh my gosh. places oh my gosh. in you know, Washington are feeling it. And yeah, it's, I don't think people, the people who are like running around on the beach or chilling, hanging out, I think they're just, they just don't, they don't get it yet. And it's, it's almost too late for them to see what it is. It's absolutely insane. And before they closed down Runyon here, my friend Josh Swickard and his uh, wife, Lauren, brought me over soup, but they went through, like, they went past Runyon to yes. get to my house. And they said there were like 400 people just congregated, just hanging out, what? Like, not even social <laughs> distancing, just like oh. sitting down, like eating together. I'm like, what oh. are you doing? Yeah, they're going to they're gonna learn. They'll see. I mean, it, it's unfortunate, but that's just the way. And I, I don't even get me started on these spring break videos. I guess. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you got to be kidding. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. Hillary Duff, when I watched, she had a video the other day and she went off on it. It was the funniest oh, good, in the world. Good. And you know, I will do a, a wonderful pivot here because you just mentioned your friend, Josh. Mm-hmm. And I happen to know that he plays Chase on my general hospital. I call it my general hospital because it is. It is. Uh, I, will, I will run that town one day. And so let's talk a little bit about general hospital because the reason I ha- I wanted you to be on this show is because I wanted to talk about what it's like to play your role, of course, because we're going to talk about that a lot, but just to be on a show that you know, like a million people plus see every day or every week, right? Like, right. To, I haven't had anyone on yet that had that ex, that specific thing yet. And so I just wondered what that's like, if you even think about that, or um, it, I want to get into the story of how you got on the show and, and everything. But I will just tell the audience, because there are still some people who don't watch General Hospital, and that's okay. I've forgiven them in my soul and my heart. <laughs> um, I have not forgotten, though. So just keep that in mind. Who don't know, you play a, a, a woman named Nell Benson. And I watched General Hospital since I was like 10. When I grew up, you know, it's been 30 years, 29 years. I haven't watched every single day of every single year. But the last six, seven years, I've watched every day, pretty much. Even when I'm traveling overseas, I will buy it on iTunes. I'm not playing around. And you play a character that is so fun, that is so fun to watch and so good for the show to have, I think that you're you're kind of a breakout star you've been a breakout star so first let's start with I don't even think I did this properly at the top of this what is your name and occupation we were taken over by the Rona but what was what is your name and occupation as you see it well uh thank you so much that was incredibly sweet of you to say um my name is Chloe Lanier and I am an actor and where did you start out like you where, where did you grow up and then and did you start out acting in like local stuff or? So I always knew I wanted to be an actor when I was uh, three years old and I was in preschool. Our teachers asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up and then they would write it down on the slab of paper and like decorate it and give us um, to take home. And I wrote that I want or I said I wanted to be an actress And so I don't know how I even knew what an actor was at that age, but I did. So I just never questioned it. And then like around fourth grade, I would say I started doing community theater and taking local acting classes. But, you know, there were I I grew up in a suburb outside of Dallas, which you didn't. 
Yes, I grew up in Dallas. About this. We right. talked about this already. I think we did. Oh, okay. So it's been it's been a no, it's okay. It's been a time. I grew up in um in Coppell. Oh, that's right. Yes. yes. I, I knew you were a real one that day. Yes. Yeah. So what did so, you do in Coppell to, to scratch the itch here? I mean, there was I mean, limited resources. Really, what I did to to grow is I watched movies. Mm. I just watched every single amazing performance I could get my hands on. I mean, I used to, my, when I was nine years old, I was obsessed with The Beautiful Mind. Yes. And I was obsessed yeah. with Russell Crowe's performance. I would re- replay that on VHS over and over and over again. And my parents thought I was crazy and they're probably yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> but that, and then like, oh God, like the Robert De Niro and King of Comedy or even something like Amy Adams and Catch Me If You Can. I mean, it's just so specific. Mm. And all of these choices that these incredible actors are making, Viola Davis in, in Doubt. I mean, yep. oh my gosh. Was that, how many minutes was that that got her the Oscar? Oh, it led less than 15, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Did you ever go to, I know this is pivoting again, but did you ever go to like the Renaissance Fair out there and just watch people in Perth? Like, did you go to plays, like just to soak it up? Or was it, was it I, TV and film? My only real opportunities in Texas were plays. I really don't like doing theater because I do have, I do struggle with stage fright, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I, what I like about a film set is that, or a TV show, is that when you're there, you're there to do a job and you're there to connect with the other person in the scene with you. And everyone else there is there to do a job. But when you're doing theater, everyone is there to watch you. Yep. And that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. So I didn't really like doing it, but it was my only outlet. But I, I love going to the theater. So when I was in high school, I went to New York for the first time with my best friend, Lindsay. And um, we saw Spring Awakening ah. and Equus at like 14 years old. Yeah, great. And nudity just everywhere. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I do. I do love going. I, I love going to New York, too, because I love seeing I love seeing shows. And we just saw. Um, Jagged Little Pill. Oh, I have a friend that was in both. And so amazing. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by me, Arlen, the host. And I'm going to use this time to promote my book. It's about damn time, which is now available in pre-order. It comes out May 5th, 2020. You can order it at it's about That's I T S about damn Thanks. Okay, so a couple of things I'm gonna connect the two. So one is I'll start with the the latter. Uh I have an entire chapter in my upcoming book, It's About Damn Time, that talks about Alanis Morissette. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Second thing is I've had I'm 39 and I've had incredible stage fright until I was 36. And even on this podcast series, I have a dedicated episode about how I started to conquer that. And it, I never in a million years would have thought that I, that I would be speaking on stages because it was so prevailing. So I, I can believe it and I also relate to it. And that's great. So you, you spent a lot of time just observing and that's really cool because it kind of proves that you don't have to have like a fancy kind of schooling and background and everything for did you did you at any point go to school or take any classes for it 
So I got into drama school, but my loan was declined yeah. um, at the last minute. So I couldn't afford to go to college. This is like a movie. This is a movie in itself. It you're, really, like, you're an Emmy winner. That's incredible. Okay. So it was, yeah, it was declined. And, th- and that was really depressing at the time. But what I did was I, I was like, okay, I really don't want to major in drama because I have no interest in doing theater. And there, you know, there aren't a lot of drama schools that coach you for film acting. Um, some of them do, but it, you know, very limited. So what I did is I got like three jobs and I took acting classes locally in Dallas and, um, a man, a playwright named Del Shores. Yeah. Kind of, um, yeah, he, he kind of discovered me. I did like a little demo reel shoot with him. I just shot a scene with him and he introduced me to my first agent in Dallas, Linda McAllister. And a month later, I booked a show called Army Wives. Ah, I remember that. I remember Army Wives. Yeah. Cool. Who was the brunette who led that? Catherine Bell, maybe? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was her assistant for a while too, a few years ago. Well, that's so interesting. So you kind of, so you got that gig. Was it filming in Dallas or was it filming in LA? I booked it off tape. It actually shot in um, Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. So that was really fun. So it was like, I would be working at the YMCA doing the after school program or like in summer camp. And then a limo would come to my house and pick me up and take me to the airport. And I would jet off to Charleston and shoot. And it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, my yeah. whole school thought I was a celebrity at the time. Well, that's what's up. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so yeah, cool. I felt like a total badass for sure. Yeah. And so you did that. Did you, did you like it right away? I mean, were you nervous when you first got that real gig? I don't remember necessarily being nervous, but um, I didn't know how to read a call sheet. Mm. That's for sure. So my co-star, um, his name's JJ Soria. He's actually on a show right now called Hintified on Netflix. That's okay. amazing. Um, he kind of taught me the ropes of everything and would take me out to to eat and spend time with me because I didn't know anybody. I had never been on a film set. So he kind of really showed me how everything worked. And I, I'm always indebted to him because that's how everyone should treat someone on a yes. set in life. Yeah. And a call sheet for anyone who doesn't know is like a sheet you get either the night before or the morning of, and it kind of tells everybody who's going to be on set, what they're doing, what what they're filming that day, medical information, if anybody gets hurt, all of, all sorts of things. But if you don't, if you if it's your first time seeing it, it can be confusing. And <laughs> There's a lot of information. You have it. Yeah. Yes. And the, also, I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit, because one of the things I've noticed, I don't stalk your Instagram page, by the way, I see it. Uh, through the algorithms. But what I have noticed is that you have a lot of, it seems like you have a lot of friends who are character actors who I'll see here and there on these different things. Like how important is it, no matter what job you have or what career you have, but especially in entertainment when people can be kind of backstabby, how important is it to just kind of develop a community of people who have each other's backs? It's incredibly important. I mean, when I moved to LA, I knew two people. Mm-hmm. in the entire city. And within a month, um, I, one of the character actors I'm really good friends with, his name is um, Paul Walter Hauser. Yes. And he and I uh, became friends through another, through the other one, you know, one of two people that I knew. And we ended up living together with like four other guys for like a year in Valley Village. And we've been friends ever since. And, and he's he's just such a good person and I'm so excited for all of his success, but 
Yeah, he's in movies and he's what I saw him in. It was um, the one with the Australian, the the badass Australian. Oh, I Tanya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tends to play kind of creepy characters, <laughs> kind of like you know. But it's good. It's good. It seems like it's a good living here. And he, I know he just like starred in a in a movie that Clint Eastwood directed, mm-hmm. Richard Jewell, and he's yeah. fantastic in it. But the thing, you know, what people don't realize is that he's been doing this for twelve years. Yeah. Like, you know, you may now just be hearing his name everywhere, but he's been writing scripts, auditioning, hustling, taking meetings, pitching TV shows for, for 12 years. And so, you know, I think a lot of people have the illusion that they're going to move to Hollywood and just make it big. And some people do. Some people Very few. get it right off the bat. But yeah. really, this is, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're in rarefied air a little bit here, too, because... It's like sports. Unfortunately, only a few people, there's only room for a few people to kind of reach certain heights. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever say, I mean, I'm sure there's more you want to do in life and I'm, you're very young and I'm sure you will do more. But do you ever like look around and say, wait a minute, I have like a, I'm on t- TV. I have an Emmy sitting somewhere. Like, how does that feel? As much as I have accomplished um, so far, there's so much more that I want to do. Yeah. And I won't be satisfied. I, I don't think I'll, I'll ever be satisfied yeah. in the art. And, and I don't think I should be because if I was, then I wouldn't continue to grow. I mean, I am nowhere near where my idols are. And, and that's kind of where I'm working up to at this point. So I remember saying to you uh, through a DM once that, that if Avril Lavigne ever did a biopic or if they ever did one on her, that you should play her. And I think I said that before I realized that you were a uh, a Gaga fan. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk oh, about that. Because, oh I, you know, my, my whole thing is I saw Janet Jackson at age 13. It changed my life. I've been following Janet for a long time. Tell me about the Gaga thing. When did that happen? And I, I know that it's helped you through your life. So it, talk it, about that. It absolutely. Thank you for any chance to talk about Lady Gaga. Yes. Um, so... She, I always say, I wish she had come along when I was in middle school because she is, she's just such a light. And when I first saw her, I was like, oh, I see myself in her. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not Lady Gaga. I don't wear, you know, fun outfits every single day, but she, there's so many videos of me crying at her concerts (laughs) because I feel like she has this amazing ability to talk to thousands of people and it feels like she's talking directly to you and her music is just so deep and passionate and vulnerable and I just feel like she does so much for mental health and for women and the LGBTQ community that it it just it just I I love her so much I can't I I mean I saw I'm bumbling right now but like I, I I can't even put it into words how much I love Lady Gaga I think there's so many people who relate to you they have someone that they feel that way about and the joy that you kind of exude when you talk about her here and and online is just like really genuine and I dig it. And I love that it inspires you. Have you ever met her? So funny story. I kind of um, stalked her a few weeks. Well, before this all happened, (laughs) my friend works at a bar in studio city and she was like, Hey, Lady Gaga's at, at the bar right now. Like you, you've got to go. Oh, you must have lost your mind when you I was asleep. That. I was asleep. <laughs> and I was like, we gotta go. I was like, I was like, should I put on like 
house labs? Like, should I put on what, which, which Lady Gaga shirt should I wear? Like, what do I do? And my boyfriend's like, no, just like wear normal clothes. Just like go. Yeah. So we go and I'm like sitting in the corner of this bar, just like, like shaking, like rocking back and forth, not knowing what to do with myself. And they're like, calm down, just like order food, like have a drink. And I was like, no, I have to be on set in the morning. They're like, if you take two sips, like it'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I yep. did. Done. And, um, I went over to her table and there were like 12 people over there. And normally I would never interrupt anyone's like dinner or drinks or whatever, but it was Gaga and you it was Gaga. Mind. I wasn't even going to ask for a picture. I really just wanted to tell her how much I loved her and how much she's changed my life. But I went over there and in order to like basically have a conversation with her, I had to get around this other woman who was sitting next to her. And um, I was like, hey, clothesliner. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I was about to. I was like, hey, can I say something? And she just shook her head at me like, no. And I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. I know that person. and yeah, and I, you know what? I get it. I don't know what they had gone through that day or what she was going through, but it, it, I mean, I was crushed. Yeah. Um, just selfishly, I was crushed. So I went in the car, I cried for a minute and I was like, you know what? The time will come. It'll yes. be the right circumstances. Yes. And I'll get to tell her how much I love her. Yes. And that has happened to me before. And it, it's kind of weird to talk about because it sounds like I sound like a jerk, but like people want to meet you. People want to talk to me. You know, we yeah. have that feeling of what that's like and stuff. So we know how to kind of treat people when they when they want to do that. Right. And then you'll have someone, though, that you want to talk to. And then it's like VIP section of the VIP section of the VIP section. You're just like, really? So the thing that I do when that happens, because it's very humbling very quickly, uh, but I stay humble. I stay real low to the ground. People make sure I stay humble the timing is not right for this moment. Like I'm not supposed to meet her in this bar tonight. I was supposed to meet her on set of the movie she's producing that I yes. star in or, yes. or XYZ, right? That's the feeling because you know, that's probably what's, what's ahead of you. Like, I remember I'm going to do a humble brag, because, but it's, it's relevant. I remember I, there was this magazine cover that a bunch of people that I know were on and people were like texting me and they were like, man, that sucks that you didn't get on that cover. Like you should have been on that cover before anybody else should have been, blah, blah, blah. You should have been. And I was like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And when you know it, less than a year later, I was on a cover by myself. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just like, it was just the timing. And if I had, if you let that just really derail you, then you don't get to the moment that you're supposed to get to. So that's it. That's um, exciting. I mean, I, do you write? Do you write scripts or anything like that? So my boyfriend and I uh, wrote a short together, which you so graciously yes, donated to yes. last year um, that we're, we're kind of still in post with that. But um, we did that. And then um, Haley Aaron, who played uh, Kiki mm-hmm. on General Hospital. Jerome on my General Hospital. Yes. yes, Kiki Jerome. She and I have created a uh, pitch deck. Um, which oh. is basically just like an outline of an entire season or two of a television show that we're, um, well, we're trying to take out to uh, yeah. to networks right now. It's it's a little halted because of everything that's going on mm. um, in the industry because of the quarantine. However, um, that, that will, uh, fingers crossed, we're going to get that out there and get that on the air at some point in the next year. Okay. I'm putting it out there. Yes. Are you under a contract where you can't do another show? So I'm not under contract at General Hospital. Okay. 
Um, I haven't been since like, I think summer of 20. Yeah. Cause you left. Mm-hmm. So what you did was the ultimate mic drop. You hit the show. You have this character, Nell Benson, and we'll have you describe her in a second. She does her thing in Port, Port Charles, which is where the, the city is that this takes place. You go on to win a daytime Emmy. And then like four days later, you're gone. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're like, I'm outie. <laughs> and I, I had my opinions, of, like my uh, predictions of why you did that. And then, but they left it in a place where you, you did, they didn't kill you off, even though you can come back from the dead on General Hospital. It's easy to do that. You can have a tour. People do it whatever. all the time. All yeah. the time. <laughs> the guy who plays Silas has been on there four different characters. Yeah. Four different characters. Including, I know. Including his own twin. So, <laughs> including an undead person as well, a vampire, literally a vampire. But you did that and then you come back and it was a surprise. And I think they may have announced it somewhere, but I didn't see it. And all of a sudden you're just back. And I'm like, oh, how long is she going to stay on here? So anything you want to talk about there for the people who do, because I, I know people who do watch in our hospital, listen to this. Mm-hmm. What's the whole deal there? Are you going to stick around? Um. Oh, to be seen, to be continued. T, uh, yeah, to be continued. Um, I can't really answer. Yeah, I can't really okay. that. But um, I will say it's like a freelance basis. They they send me dates, and I say yes, I'm available, or no, I'm not available. And so it's it's nice, you know. I just pop over there and I do my bit, and then go home. But it's great because I have the luxury of working a lot without having the restrictions of a contract. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So if you were to to do your show or something else were to come along, you could... It, yeah, the show would be in second position. Okay. That's very yeah. interesting. That's very interesting. Kind of yeah. a, another rare thing to have. And did you know how to remember all those kind of like all those lines when you first started General Hospital? Did you have to learn that muscle? Oh my gosh, no, it was horrible. So <laughs> I remember the first week I did it, I downloaded a like a memorizing app. Um, which I had never done before because I had never had to memorize more than maybe 12 pages at a time. And that was even, that's even pushing it, but it's like muscle memory. You just keep working that muscle over and over again until it finally kind of clicks. And it gets easier once you've played the character for a while, like I have, where I don't have to do all of the background work and the history of the character and the, you know, and developing the relationships with her parents and all of that stuff that you do um, before you even go onto a set for a role. So I can just really focus on the scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel really comfortable with her? It seems like, I mean, it's, it's, you have embodied her and, and so much so that many times they'll switch out on soaps. They'll switch people out if they leave contract. I don't think they could do that with you. I don't think the audience would accept it at this point. And well, I just a word I'll have with them if I need to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they would accept that. <laughs> That's very flattering. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it kind of feels like like second nature at this point, like turning a light bulb on and off or whatever. It's it's very easy at this yeah. point, which, which is also a challenge in itself because you don't want it to be easy. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. at, this, at this point, the show, for me, the character is very fun, but it's not. It's not challenging. I think about... And just being honest uh, and knowing a couple of people from GH uh, over the years, I think about it, it's a little bit like Disney World because it it does provide joy for so many people. But I can imagine that it just sort of 
wears on you. And I remember talking to Steve Burton, who is not a, a friend or anything, but I did interview him once mm-hmm. after he came back. And he was just like, my brain was fried. I had no other life because it would just be this. And the fact that he wears the same thing every day, like literally was yeah. driving him oh, insane. Yeah. His outfit is always the same. It's the same. And so I can see how it can be a little stifling or a lot stifling to someone who wants to push further than that. But at the same time, you're looking at it like, don't look a gift horse in the mouth because I have money coming in. I have stability. I have something. I have insurance. You know, a lot of people kind of brush off soaps and including the people that are on it. I I, I get that. But I just find it, it's really intriguing to me and and intricate, you know, the, the things you have to think about because you also, if you were on contract, you'd be on contract for what, like three years? And you'd have to yeah. basically say. Yeah. And that's what I didn't want. That's kind of why I left. You know, it wasn't that I was leaving the show. I just I didn't want to be under contract anymore because there's so many other things that I want to do. And, and auditions I wasn't really able to go on because I was on set every day of the week. You know what I mean? Now it's, yeah. you know. Um, it's much more flexible because I don't have the restriction of the contract. So um, they've been amazing to me to keep, you know, writing me in when they asked me to recur a little bit. I was like, sure. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I tell you what, like I said at the top, it is such a fun ride right now, that whole storyline. So my, my wife, Anna is German Mm -hmm. and had never heard of General Hospital until she met me. And then like five years ago, we were in Barcelona where she was living uh-huh. and I forced her to watch my iTunes General Hospital for the first time. And she's like, okay. And she's, you know, she's a, she's a composer herself. She's also a, a budding actress and a director and all sorts of things. So she likes the craft Amazing. of it. And about two and a half years ago, it took a while, but about two and a half years ago, one day she walked into the room well, in LA and she's like, um, you want to watch General Hospital? <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, I do want to watch General Hospital. <laughs> so oh, she I and I, what we'll do is, uh, especially now these days, because I used to travel like 70% of the time, so we wouldn't be able to do that together. But what we'll do is I'll work all day and on many, all kinds of stuff. She'll do her thing. She has like a little lab at home. And then at six o'clock, I'll watch my Rachel Maddow yes. and yell at this TV for, for 60 minutes straight. Oh my gosh, yes. And then uh, I'll say, Anna, uh, GH, and she'll say, yes, absolutely. If she's not right in the middle of composing something, she'll be like, Mm -hmm. "Uh uh-huh, we sure will. (laughs) And then we'll like have dinner or something and watch GH on DVR. And it's just so um, comforting. And on a real serious note, serious, like the kind of like how you think of Gaga, like I used to be homeless. And the thankfully... Thankfully, I had like a different times, different laptops, and I would find Wi-Fi here and there, the airport where I was staying, different places, and I would watch General Hospital. And it was a constant that helped me stay grounded to the earth of like, it's going to be okay because uh, what's happening in that little TV screen is staying the same. Yeah. Went crazy, ridiculous. It's staying the same though. And so I've watched in our hospital through the worst times of my life and through the absolute best times of my life. And it has been consistent. And I just really appreciate it as a moving, living, breathing entity. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm so glad. Thank you. I mean, when I moved to LA, I moved with $200 to my name and, you know, knowing two people in the town 
And I spent all of that $200, not on food, but I spent it going to the movies because I, that was my, that was my only lifeline at that point. And of course, movies in LA are like 20 bucks. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you don't have anything else and you have that one thing that, that that'll keep you going, it's so important to still have access to it because otherwise you'll just crumble. Yeah. So wonderful to, to know that there's these, these lifelines and just doing this podcast uh, series, learning how many, how many different ways people are connected and interconnected. So I know people listening will find something from your story. It sounds like there's a lot of perseverance and like really like a strong focus, knowing what you want out of life. You know, you came here with the 200 bucks, you stayed with several roommates who were kind of making their way. You'd had some, some credits to your name now, and then you start getting some more and more breaks and you're on your journey. And I think some sort of biopic is going to break you. I I just have this feeling, some sort of biopic. So I hope you're getting sent into those or, always, or maybe you'll write your own, but we'll see. I always and, close on, on biopics. I really, I do. Yeah. Um, if the money doesn't fall through, which happens a lot of times with these, with these movies, but thank you. I mean, yeah, I, it's, it's, I see myself as a character actor mm-hmm. in a leading woman's body, um, which can <laughs> be a challenge um, yeah. when you're going into rooms for, you know, the girlfriend or like the mysterious girl next door. It's not that, that none of that interests me. You know what I mean? I want to just completely change my face and my body and just look and feel completely different because that's, to me, that's what acting is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going in and being a version of yourself, which, you know, there are people that do that and they're great at it, but that's not, that's not my gig. But I really appreciate you saying that. That's very, yeah. very sweet. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up now. I could talk for hours, but I'm not going to keep you because you, you got some creativity to do. But thanks so much for giving me all that information. And, and I know it's going to inspire a lot of people. I'm, I'm certain of it. Well, I, I, I feel hope better that. soon. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And everyone listening, please stay inside if you can, because this is, this is not, this is not a joke. Yeah, it's real. It's real. Yeah. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Arlen. Thanks for listening to this episode. So I would love to keep up with you online. You can find me at Arlen Was Here on Instagram and on Twitter. That's A-R-L-A-N Was Here. I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you. You can also pre-order my first book. It's called It's About Damn Time. You can pre-order it at your local indie bookstore. Please do that. Feel free. And online where books are sold, where where, where great books are sold, if you want to go to a specific link, you can go to itsaboutdamntime.com. That's itsaboutdamntime.com. Your First Million is produced by Anna Aichenawa, executive producer Arlen Hamilton, associate producer Chacho Valadez.